This is the beginning of part four. Question number 34. Michael, I've started doing interviews in my own niche for my website, medicinecoach.com, and want to know some methods for getting bigger fish. In other words, how can I get access to famous people in my industry? I'm just going to ditto that. I would set up and become an affiliate and approach them and tell them you want to do an interview to sell the products within that niche. Okay. Question number 35. Michael, I've created some free marketing tips audios for a lead generation site. I've not interviewed for a recording before, and now I would like to know, from your experience, is it important to interview someone well-known or who has extensive experience or a good reputation to make prospects want to listen to the audios? Or have you had success when the interviewee has been a relative unknown? I've had success with both. Well-known is great. Well-known is really good for traffic, for prestige, that you were able to interview this guy. I mean, imagine if I can get an interview with, you know, President Obama. Wow, wouldn't that be incredible? I interviewed Obama. A lot of people know who Obama is, don't they? A lot of people want to know more about that well-known person, especially in a good interview. So if you have a well-known interview that you secured and you want to promote other things on your website, that's going to be real valuable to you, especially with the search engine terms. See, the whole goal of my website, it's twofold. It's to provide incredible value that no one else provides, but I'm also there to sell product. It is a business. I have a lot of expenses that I pay to keep this thing going, from the transcripts to the editing to my team of virtual assistants. It can be expensive at the level I'm doing it. So you've got to sell something to keep it going. A great interview with President Obama, I could put that interview up on the website. I could take that interview and post it on YouTube. You know, Michael Sinoff interviews President Obama. I could put it on Facebook. I could make the announcement on Twitter. I can put it as a podcast up on iTunes. I guarantee you people are going to want to hear that thing. And it's going to bring people to the site. And if they're a first-time visitor to the site, they're going to see a pop-up. It's going to ask for a name and an email address. And then I've got them on that list, and I have a chance to wow them. I have a chance to drip on them with a series of autoresponders. I have like 87 different autoresponders just in that one autoresponder sequence that does nothing but give valuable information to new interviews. So these are some of the methods that I would use and that I've had success with well-known. Now, if it's not a very well-known, that can be good too. Mike Simonic, you know, the guy who published the special effects cookbook, he really wasn't well-known at all. But that's been a real successful interview because it's like a nobody who made a million dollars in self-publishing. And the visitors to the site, they can identify with that. They may view themselves as a nobody and they say, well, if this nobody can do it, maybe I can do it too. So people like listening to that. And if you do your good job as an interviewer, that will get a lot of play. And the people listening to that will remember that interview. Ben, I know you said you listened to that thing five or six times, the Mike Simonic one? Oh, it's by far one of my favorite interviews on your entire site. I mean, it's packed with all kinds of ideas from an unknown guy, but I was able to get all the information out of him by asking good questions. I just got his story down. But just ask yourself, what's the ulterior motive? What's the purpose of the interview? Is it to get traffic to your site? And that's very, very important. Is it to provide great content? That's very important, too. Is it to build additional content for existing products so you can increase the value and sell them for more money? That's important, too. You've got to ask yourself, what is my purpose? What am I trying to do with all of this? You know, just real quick, another option, you know David Dutton. Yeah. Um, 
he's got a nice little system for doing this. He goes after the people who were once celebrities, and now their 15 minutes is over, but everyone knows who they still are. Yeah, absolutely. People that were on The Apprentice and things like that. Right, and they had some real, I call it marquee value. A lot of people, they were on national TV. A lot of people know their name. Dave Dutton interviews this very well-known TV star. Even though they're not that famous now, that can go a long way in building your credibility. And that can be your strategy. You know, your strategy can be nothing but to land five or six interviews with big-time people just to build your credibility. So you can use that social proof to trade up to higher-level interviews. But the bigger names, they can be real valuable for social proof and for getting traffic to your site. And getting traffic to your site, that's a very important strategy if you're selling products and services. Question number 36. Very good question. How do I get time-challenged interviewees to give me an hour of their time for an interview without having to surrender the publication rights? Okay. Same reasons as before. When he says surrender the publication rights, there's no reason you'd have to give up the publication rights. I mean, why would you? There may be a case where if you got in an interview with someone, they say, well, you can't have the rights to do anything with this interview, but why would they be giving you the interview if they didn't want promotion? It would be understood that once you have the interview, you're going to use that as a tool to get them publicity. So you're going to have to be in control of the distribution of your interview to get them more business or more notoriety or better distribution. So that part of it, if you needed the rights to that interview and you wanted to use it to promote them or you wanted to use it to sell a product, you have to maybe get that as an understanding up front. But I don't think there's really any reason someone should withhold the publication rights. I guess it all depends. I've never had a problem with it in the past. So for any guy who says they're not going to give you the publication rights, there's probably 20 other experts in that field who'd be willing to. Just move on to someone else. There's plenty of people to interview, plenty of experts. That's my answer on that. If they're not willing to give you the rights, find someone else. Okay, question number 37. When you interview experts, do you need a contract? If so, where can I get an example? Do you pay them in any way? I found the easiest way to do it is to get an agreement on the phone. There is a contract. It's called a recording release form where someone signs a release form that gives you the rights of the interview. You could have a contract, and I'm sure if you Google search, I just get an oral contract. You know, like I said, it's an understood thing that if I'm interviewing an expert, they're in it for free promotion, potential product sales if I'm an affiliate. It's understood that I'm going to be distributing the interview and that I have the rights to do so. But what you can do if you're worried about it before your big interview, right before you're ready to do the interview, I would say, hey, Ben, okay, so here's what we're going to do. I'm recording now, and you understand I'm recording this call, and that you agree that we're going to do an interview, and then I have all the rights to do whatever I want with the interview. I can sell it. I may want to create packages down the road. I want to be able to put it on my site and other sites to promote you. Is that all right? Is that okay with you? And then why would they say no? And they're going to say, yes, that's fine. So you have that on a recording. So you have a contract, an oral contract. I don't know how solid it is if they ever came after you or wanted you to stop doing it. I would think if they wanted you to take the interview down or stop using it, you just stop doing it. I've never had a problem ever with this in all the years I'm doing it. I did at first start doing a recording release. But I think contracts scare people, and it was more of a hindrance. So I don't do them anymore. It's an understood, implied agreement, and then I will back it up on the master of the audio interview invoice that we have an agreement of what we're doing. So that's my answer to that. Okay. Question 38 is very similar. 
Is it necessary to get a release signed by each interviewee? Not necessary, in my opinion. Consult with your attorney if you need to, depending on what you're going to do with the interviews. Let's say that you wanted to develop a series of interviews and package it and try and sell it off to a big network or sell it for hundreds of thousands of dollars or something like that. I think it may be a good idea. I guess it doesn't take that much effort, but it would probably be a good idea. I don't think it's necessary to do it at the level I'm doing it. I think an oral contract is good enough, but maybe something like that. If you've compiled a series of interviews and let's say you're publishing a book and it's a big publisher, I think they're going to want to know that you have the rights to publish this book and use these interviews. So in that case, it may be a good idea to cover your bases. And a good attorney in your area could probably help you out with that more than me. Question number 39. What is the wording that you use in a contract or letter of agreement with the interview person that allows you to edit the interview? You're listening to an exclusive interview found on Michael Sinoff's hardtofindseminars.com. Just like I said, then, I do this all on a recording. I'm recording this, so here's our agreement. I'm going to do an interview with you today, Ben, on our teleseminar. After the interview, you're going to give me the rights to edit the interview, and then I'll be posting it up on my site. I may use it for product development down the road. I may want to sell it. I may want to convert it into transcripts and sell those. Is that okay with you? And you get them to say yes. You know, if they say no, they say no. You move on to someone else. But rarely are you going to get anyone to say no. Why would they? That just kind of reminds me that you can even go to other people who have already interviewed somebody and make a deal with them. I mean, you and I have made deals in front of your interviews. Absolutely. As a matter of fact, when I was talking about the recordings that got the most play, there was a recording I heard with Elsom Eldridge, and it was more like a lecture called The Obvious Expert. And he was interviewed by another well-known marketer, and I heard it, and it was really good. It was perfect for my consultants. And I called him up, and I said, hey, Elsom, you know, I heard the interview you did with this guy, and that thing is really good. It'd be perfect for my HMA consultants. I want to know, could I take that interview and edit out the interviewer guy who interviewed you? And then you and I will get on the phone, and we'll do an intro where you'll introduce it to my HMA consultants and my site visitors, and then I'll piece it back together as if it was my own interview. So anyone listening to that would never know that the lecture he gave, that he wasn't lecturing to me. He was lecturing to another totally different interviewer, but with the editing, it made it fit like I did the interview with him, but we were honest about it. We did the introduction, and we said, now I'm going to take you back to a special lecture that Elsom did a number of years ago on how to position yourself as an obvious expert, and boom. So it went through the whole presentation, and then at the end of the interview, I said, hey, I hope you've enjoyed this presentation. So, yes, you can find interviews out there, and with good editing, you can make them your own. Absolutely. And to piggyback off that question, how do you get the rights to other people's interviews? That's question 41. You can simply ask for the rights. Like I said, you know, a lot of people are sitting on a lot of content that they don't put much value on. You know, here, perfect example, Art Hamill, okay? Art Hamill, he's a business buying expert. I've been selling his business buying course for the last five years. And I met him on eBay. He had an eBay auction, and he was selling all these old seminars that he used to sell back in 1985. And then I contacted him through eBay. We got to talking. I found out this guy was a real live business buying seminar expert. He had the number one seminar on one of the largest shopping channels. He put 100,000 people through his trainings. This is how I met him. This guy was an expert, but he wasn't selling his old cassette tape seminars anymore. So I was looking for products to sell, and I 
I asked him if he'd be willing to do an interview. And that's how it all started with one interview. And with that one interview, I must have sold 150, 200 of his old cassettes. I would buy them off of him for, I don't know, 25 bucks a piece. He'd send them to me in these big boxes. And they were cassette tapes, these brown cassette tapes. They really looked like they were from 1985. I mean, the whole style of it. But it all started there. And since then, I've probably got 13 hours of interviews with him over the years. And we ran out of the cassette tapes and digitized the product. So that was something that someone was virtually throwing away, dumping them off of eBay, that I was able to turn that intellectual property that he was dumping off of eBay for peanuts into a product and then help me write the sales letter for that. So we used a combination of the audio interview that I did with him. And why don't you tell real quick what you did like, with that audio interview, how you created the sales letter? Well, you know, I went to the course. Frankly, the course was a little bit dry compared to the interviews. And it's a great course and everything, but it was just, you know, for me personally, it was easier just to listen to Art talk to you in the present tense now. It's the words he uses now and the examples he was using now and the things that he's doing today. It was just so easy. I wrote the whole ad from the transcript. That's something real valuable, and maybe we'll talk about it more if we have time, but after you get your interview, if you've done your research right, or you do one of these ask campaigns, and all the information I'm giving you, I'm writing my sales letter right now. Once I have these transcripts, this can become the meat of a good, hard-hitting sales letter. I mean, I'm talking faster than I can really think, and I can't remember anything I've said in the last two hours, but when I'm able to see it in black and white typed out, there's going to be gold in there. I'm going to find my headline. I'm going to find all my bullets so you can talk faster than you can write during these interviews you're creating great copy you do sometimes need to create sales letters in addition to your audio to help sell your product or service and you're going to save a whole lot of money because you can take these transcripts and go to a professional copywriter and say take these transcripts and create a sales letter for me you've basically created it he's going to organize it create the headlines make the transitions and create some strategy but you can do it for a lot less money than if if you came to Ben Settle and said, I've got this idea, I need you to create a sales letter for me from scratch, then you have to start with something to create a sales letter, don't you? Well, yeah, and really, the more you do, the less you realize the product even matters. It's all about the market. And those interviews, usually the author knows the market better than anybody, and that's where you get most of that meat. It's really all about the market. Right, so asking is number one. Another thing you can do is you can license people's interviews. You know, Elson Eldridge gave me the rights for free because I asked, but let's say he wasn't so willing to give it to me. I may say, well, can I license that interview and I'll pay you $100 a year to be able to use it on my website. That's something you could do. You could just buy them outright. Say, hey, I'd like to buy out your collection of audio interviews. Would you be willing to take X amount? Or they can rent them to you. So you can borrow them and pay a rent. That's kind of like licensing. Or you can trade something for them. There's a good chance if you have someone who's got some audio interviews and from the stuff you're learning with me, you'll be able to take those interviews. You can clean them up. You can put some great marketing into them. And you can use them to sell their products or other products. You'll be able to do a lot with them. And you could probably pick up a pretty good deal and pick them up just by asking or licensing. Just make it work. See what they want. See what they're doing with them. Just ask questions. You know, this isn't the same as getting somebody's audio, but I have a friend who has gotten an old book that the copyright expired, and it was in the public domain. And he just read the book out loud into recorders. And there was his product. And then he just added his own commentary in there, and it was like a whole new product that was updated for now. Right, that's smart. Very easy to create products doing audio. It doesn't get any easier than this. It really doesn't. 
we're in the next section now, which is list of buildings. And we're on question number 42. How do you develop a list of prospects to market your audio interviews to? Building a list, this is really in marketing what it's all about. I mean, this should really be the whole purpose to have a website. Hopefully, I'm teaching you that you want to create these expert audio interviews because you want to sell something. But you've got to be able to capture a name and an email. If you're selling online, you need a name and an email. It certainly wouldn't hurt to get as much information as you can, full mailing address so you can mail to them. So the name of the game is capturing contact information so you could be in touch with these people. So I will tell you, list building is hard, and it can be slow, but this is the name of the game when it comes to marketing and selling your product. You've got to capture that name. It's either time or money. You know, the whole concept of my website was to put all these great audio interviews for free that people would be crazy not to take advantage of. But really, I'm getting them there. It's kind of like one of those anchor stores in a big mall. When you go to a mall, you usually have a huge, very popular shopping store on the end. It's called an anchor store. Like, you know, in the shopping center near my house, you've got a Vons grocery store, and you have all the small stores around it. So my interviews are like this anchor store. People come to the site, and then I've got to capture their name. I've got to build their trust, and I've got to give them some value, and I want them on my list so I can keep building trust and so I can potentially sell them something. But that's how I'm trying to build my list, and we're definitely going to talk about some of the different methods that I'm able to slowly build it day by day, and it is a daily thing. For more exclusive interviews on business, marketing, advertising, and copywriting, go to Michael Senoff's hardtofindseminars.com. Now, if you don't want to build it yourself, like I said, it's time and money. You can rent list. And we talked a little bit about the SRDS earlier, standard rate and data service, this huge phone book full of mailing lists. Anything you can think of, there is a mailing list out on. And you can go rent these lists for, I don't know, per thousand, maybe a hundred to two hundred dollars a thousand. So for ten or twenty cents for a name, you can find a list of people who have purchased a certain product and you can even buy names of someone who's purchased a product in the last 30 days. That's called a hotline name. And that can be very valuable. If you had a lead that has already purchased a product, you know they have a credit card, you can get the list of anyone you can think of, of buyers. So by mailing to them or emailing to them, you can rent email list, you could build a list of buyers. That's another way. We talked about trade publications or associations. You can rent their lists. Chamber of Commerce are a great way to help market your product. InfoUSA is a great resource to find names. They're like the world's largest list broker. They have you know all kinds of names and specialty lists. I think one of the best ways to build a list of prospects are through joint ventures. If you don't have a list, you go find a marketer or someone within your niche who has a list of customers and do a deal with them. You could also trade list. Let's say Ben has had 10,000 people on his list and I had 10,000 people on my list, then you and I can negotiate a trade where you'll promote to your list five times and I'll promote to my list five times, each other's product. So the promotion ends up being almost like an endorsement or a referral. So that way you and I instantly just built our list to 10,000 extra names, right? Yeah, that works. 
PayPal is incredible. I have a whole recording on how to use PayPal. You know, eBay owns PayPal, so you have millions of sellers on eBay. You've got tens of thousands of power sellers who have thousands and thousands of transactions on eBay, and all those transactions are done through PayPal. So you could look up a company who sells, say, I don't know, mattress covers on eBay inexpensively in the United States. And you could look at their eBay feedback, and they may be a purple star, and you could see that they have 60,000 transactions, and they've been on eBay since early 1990. Well, you'll know that those 60,000 transactions, a good majority and maybe even more of them are all in PayPal because PayPal is the shopping cart for those eBay transactions. And did you know that owner of that eBay store can go into their PayPal account and download an Excel file of every single one of their customers' names, email addresses, mailing address? Because if they're mailing those mattress covers to their customers, they have all that data that's already entered. So you can approach someone on eBay or through PayPal. You can shop PayPal shops and look for huge huge lists of specific products and services and approach them to do joint ventures. You can approach them and ask them to let you interview them about their mattress cover business. You know, you could do like an ask campaign. Like exactly what I did. This is a go get these big name interview guys to do an ask campaign. So for instance, the way I did it, you go to askmichaelsenoff.com. Now since I'm the expert, I'm going to go to my barter expert next month. I've created a ask campaign called Ask Donahue Silver. Elvis.com. That's already set up, and he owns about nine of the iTex brokers, which is a retail barter exchange. And he has a list that he's been mailing out to, and I've created an email, and I've created this whole ask campaign. And I say, Donahue, I'm going to help you promote your barter retail membership. And we did the interview already, and he's going to mail out to his list, and they're going to come submit their question. If you have one chance to ask barter expert Donahue Silvis anything about how to save money using barter, enter your question now. They'll enter their question. That name comes through my Ask campaign, and it goes into my AWeber autoresponder. So I have set up an autoresponder account just for him, and I'm able to capture those names, and they're in my autoresponder service. So I have control over it, and I have an agreement with him that I can use those names to help support his existing barter customers to learn more about business and by providing them my audio interview. So he's going to mail out to his list, but that list or a portion of that list is going to become my list. So that's a joint venture. I'm helping him out by creating a great audio interview to promote his barter service, and in trade for that, I'm getting some of the names that will become future customers of mine, I hope, which I think should work out. So these are some of the ways anyone can build their list. But building it yourself can be slow, but if you think smart and you have a good strategy and use joint ventures, you can definitely shortcut the process. Question number 43, what is the best way to market an audio interview if you do not have a list? Oh, ditto what I just said, but I'm also going to say joint ventures, hands down. If you don't have a list, yeah, you don't have to have a list and you don't have to be an expert. If you can be the guy who can just do the interview, if you can secure the rights to the interview, and if you can take that interview to someone who does have a list but doesn't have any marketing, you're set. You've got an interview. You've got a tool that sells, or you want to hope it sells, if you've done it right, you've done your research, and you take your time with it, you'll have a good audio interview that will sell either an expertise or a product or a service. That's valuable. It's like a winning sales letter, Ben. What's a winning sales letter worth, you know, with a huge market? Yeah, you can't even put a value on it. 
I mean, if you have a humongous market of something, if you had a sales letter that sells a diet pill, and every time you put it on the Internet or every time you mailed it and you tested it, it makes money for you. It's like a money printing machine. Well, the same thing. A good audio interview is like that. It's a valuable asset that you can turn off and turn on anytime you need it. I've got an interview on my site. It's an interview with a cold calling expert, and I was able to negotiate a good joint venture proposal with him. I went the extra mile to do this interview with him for free, and this has been going on for about five years, maybe five years I've had this audio on my site, and just for some reason, first of all, it's a very hot topic, cold calling within the sales field. A lot of people on the phone want to learn how to cold call, and he's a very good marketer, so once I generate the lead through that audio recording that plays on my site, that gets downloaded on my site, that's seen on YouTube, seen on Facebook, seen on iTunes, you know, that's seen out there, the interview, the intellectual property that I control, It's a little money machine, and it just refers them over to their affiliate deal, which keeps track of everything. That's really the easiest thing. I don't have to ship a product. All I have to do is that one interview, one time, edit it, get it done right, set up an affiliate deal. You want to make sure you can trust the person, and you want to make sure you can control the flow of that lead that you generate because you invest a lot of time and effort in creating that audio recording, that sales piece. You want to make sure you're paid on that. There's methods that I teach in my audio marketing secrets product on how to do that. That's very important. Every single audio recording is valuable. Okay. Question number 44. How do you get your info products out to the public or to a mass of people without much cost? Okay. The internet is the answer. JVs are best, just like I explained, for no cost. Trade. Do a trade. You do the interview. You create the promotion. Let them mail it to the list and negotiate a deal or set up an affiliate. That doesn't cost you anything but your skill to understand on how to do an interview and a phone call as long as they have the list. You want to leverage by having both digital audio and PDF transcripts so that your sales message, if it's transcribed into a PDF file and audio, can be released from the Internet so it can go viral. You want to have a website. You want to have a blog. You want to have the ability for people to download your MP3. Like I just said, you want to have, like I'm doing on my site, people like to play the audio button. You want to be able to send someone to a site where they can just click the button, sit back, and listen through their computer. You absolutely have to have an autoresponder. So I use AWeber, and that captures that name and email address so you can resell and upsell and cross-sell to the leads that you've generated. I use easyandarticles.com. I create articles from the interviews. I know an hour audio interview is about 60 pages once edited. I've got about 180 pages of content. And the way these questions are formatted, question, answer, question, answer, I've got already 44 easing articles. So I can take the transcripts and have someone clean these up, break them up into individual articles. The questions become the headline. I can go into a topic for audio marketing and easing articles, and I instantly have written or talked 44 articles. And you pay a lot of money to pay a writer to create articles, Ben. You know that's expensive, right? Well, not only that, but besides articles, we've already written a book here. Seriously, every chapter was a question. Yeah. You've written a book. You've got articles. You've got blog content. You've got a set of audio CDs. You have a three-ring binder with CDs. You have a 52-week audio marketing secrets tip of the week campaign. You can load up each one of the question and answers into an autoresponder and send that out for over a year to the people who listen to it. 
I would also, like I said, put it up on a replay line. Make it easy for those cell phone listeners to listen to your audio on their cell phone or anyone with a phone who doesn't have Internet access or a good computer or know how to go open up a browser. There still are a lot of people who can't get onto the computer. My mom, she can't go online because her handshake, like when she uses a mouse, I don't know what the problem is, but her handshake, she cannot use a mouse so she doesn't go on the computer. So she can't take advantage of that Internet, and there are a lot of people like that. So I would have a phone number, a replay line, so you can broadcast your message through the telephone. And you know they're somewhat qualified, too, because they have to pay for the long-distance call. And with this replay line, the company will send you a report of how many people called the replay line and how long they stayed on the call. So I'll have a list, a caller ID of all the numbers of everyone. Let's say I put this whole thing up as a three-hour replay, and I send it out to my list, and I got the report from the replay company, and I can see how long each person stayed on the phone, and I have their caller ID number. I bet I've got a pretty qualified prospect who wants to learn more about this stuff for a service I offer. YouTube is a wonderful way for getting your information distributed. It's amazing. Ben, have you ever heard of these YouTube videos called Blendit? B-L-E-N-D? I have not, actually. All right, YouTube is an amazing promotional tool. There's this company, and they sell these real high-end blenders. The actual container part that you fill up your juice and whatever you're blending is made out of this bulletproof material. And he's got this super strong motor, and he demonstrates it through YouTube videos, and he'll blend these crazy things. He'll blend an iPhone. He'll blend glow sticks. You've got to check this out. Go to YouTube, blend it. He blended up a bowl of cubic zirconia diamonds. He blended up a baseball. I mean, things you'd be crazy to put into a blender, and this blender chops through it all. So he does these videos. They're getting viral views, millions of views. He links right to his website, and he's selling an incredible amount of blenders. YouTube is extremely powerful. Twitter and Facebook and LinkedIn MySpace for the younger generation are incredible resources, these social media sites. I was just saying how popular that LinkedIn interview with my LinkedIn expert is. You know, we talked about YouTube, iTunes. You know, I have about 150 of my interviews converted into podcasts. And so they're on iTunes, available to any person who has a digital MP3 player. iTunes was developed by Apple so they could sell music. So it gave whoever had an iPod, they could take, you know, the iTunes music and put it on their iPod, but having a podcast is more than music. It's information-type products, and podcasts can be TV shows. They can be movies. They can be radio shows. You know, digital content that is meant to be downloaded from the Internet onto your mobile digital playing device, whether it's your cell phone or your iPod or your MP3 player. So I get a lot of my leads through iTunes. Now, how do I know where all my leads are coming from? On my site, hardtofindseminars.com, I have a page called Free CD. For years, I've been giving out a free CD, and I'll ship it and pay for the shipping to anyone in the world. And on the CD, it's got 61 hours of my best audio recordings. A lot of the recordings on that CD are not even on my site. And I'll mail it and pay for the shipping to anyone in the world. But I'm trading them that valuable CD that some people want to get in the mail, but I'm trading them for information. I get their first name, last name, mailing address, fax number, phone number, their company name, their website, what business they're in. Are they an audio learner or video learner, or do they like to read best? Do they own the licensing rights to any products? Would they be willing to rent their customer list? 
Are they interested in learning how to use audio to sell more of their product or service? How did they hear about me? So I can look at all these things, and I have very quality leads of people who order this CD. So I trade information for the postage and the cost of mailing a CD. And I look where people find out about me, and I see a ton of people coming from YouTube and iTunes. Now, YouTube... We took about 150 of my videos, and you can only put about a 10-minute video up on YouTube, and my assistant transferred them into these AVI files, these movie files that are compatible with YouTube, and we've made a slideshow with nothing but testimonials. If you go to YouTube.com and just search Michael Sinoff, you'll see how I did this. So I have 150 10-minute little audio recordings. They all start off with, hi, I'm Michael Sinoff, CEO of Hard to Find Seminar. So I get my commercial in first, and then the 10 minutes of audio comes. And at the end of the video presentation, which is a slideshow of nothing but testimonials on my site, I direct them to hardtofindseminars.com. And I'm getting a lot of traffic from YouTube as well. So you want to take advantage of everything out there that has the potential for people to stumble upon your information or your audio. These are just a few of the ways that are pretty inexpensive in getting the word out. This is the end of Part 4. Please continue to Part 5. For more interviews like this, go to hardtofindseminars.com.